Good morning. Good morning, friends. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning that we get to gather together. If you don't know me, uh, my name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here at MRCC. If you do know me, you know that I've been loving this weather. I actually brought my hoodie this morning and I was so intent on wearing it while I did the announcements and be like, yeah, hoodie time, hoodie season's in. And God humbled me. It became too hot for me to bear the hoodie. So I'm in my t-shirt and summer's one, one last victory, but that's okay. I've got a couple of announcements to share with us this morning. Uh, first and foremost, we've got a bunch of our small groups launching this week. So if you haven't signed up yet, you want to get plugged in, you want to get connected, you want to build some relationship, um, there's a QR code on the seat back in front of you. You can scan with your phone or you can go sign up out in the foyer. Right in between the sets of double doors is a table there with a sheet. You can sign up there and get connected, plugged in that way. We've got our anchor women's ministry starting this week. You know, a bunch of our youth stuff has kicked back off. So it's the season, it's coming, it's time to get back into it. We also have two big events coming up for guys and for ladies. We have a men's conference on October 1st that's coming up and that's dads that make a difference. Clark uh, Newton shared a little with us last week if you were here, but the, the heart behind it is that we wanna learn to use the, the tools God's equipped us with, uh, the tools of a father, his way, uh, and be godly men. So that's gonna be awesome. October 1st, make sure you get signed up for that if you're a guy. If you're a lady, we have a ladies conference, like a, a simulcast, that's what they're calling it. It's a Beth Moore simulcast coming up October 14th and 15th. And there's more information, that's all up on the website. And I think they'll be putting out cards next week. So if you're a lady, that's something to get excited about. Gonna be a really great time just to gather together as ladies and hear what God has for you. So without further ado, I'm gonna hand it off to Pastor Greg. Somebody just said, didn't we fire you last week, Brent? But you're still here, so yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. And um, I, I just kind of like last week, it's, it's been great to see a lot of you for the first time since I got back, folks who weren't here last week. And so it just, it feels good to be home and it feels good to be home with you. And wasn't that worship set this morning fantastic? That was good. Listen, I remember when, when I was 20 years old and going to church for the first time, and, and I noticed that we would get together and people would sing, and I thought, what is all that? I'm not really a singer, kind of not into that. And then as I began to grow up in Jesus, learning what worship is, and then taking those stumbling steps into worship. And can I just encourage you, if you haven't learned to worship yet, what you're going to discover when you do is better than everything you've experienced so far. And you will get to the place where the best part of Sunday morning is worship. It's not somebody standing up here teaching, although that can be good, but it's the worship. The Bible says our hearts and minds are reset, made clear, able to work by our worship. And so, uh, you know, every now and then we need to take a moment to appreciate the worship team who's been here all morning. Can we just do that? Yeah, let's just do that. A couple of quick announcements, just real quick before we jump into the Word. One is, many have asked, hey, where are you with the building of the children's wing that's going to come out here? Uh, and remember, back at the beginning of the year, we thought we were going to be breaking ground in July. You also know that then reality intrudes and supply chains and schedules. And our general contractor was supposed to meet with us this last Sunday with final numbers, and they still didn't have final numbers. And so we're aiming for next Sunday evening. But just know this, the development team, your board, are working hard on that. They're going ahead with that. It's just a matter of all these details. And, and you're probably aware from the news how 
acquiring equipment and moving things around and scheduling stuff is just difficult. And so we're, we're going through all that right now. But we are moving forward, still planning to happen matter of when, but, but all that is moving forward. So as soon as we have more details, we will immediately share them with you. So just a quick update on that. And then second, um, it's hard to believe how time flies. It was just a little over four years ago that we as a church felt the call to bring four young guys onto our staff team and to develop them in the plan was to see them grow, and then that we as a church, the sign of a healthy church is that we send people out into mission, we would then send them out, and that's already happened with a couple of our interns. It's actually happening again this month with another one of our interns who there became our youth pastor, and that's Josh Wiedenmeyer, who's right back here. Now, we're going to really focus on this next week, um, but understand this, Josh has been called to serve Sun Valley Community Church in Gilbert, Arizona. And next Sunday is actually his last Sunday with us, which is unbelievable that this happened that fast. Um, but it's a victory. It's a thrill. It's a joy. It's what we were planning all along. I remember when Pastor Zach picked him and said, I got this guy. I think God's calling him. And now, yeah, I got married and sort of grew up in that time. And it's been... Uh, Amazing! It's hard to think that it's next Sunday. So we will have a big farewell happening for Pastor Josh. And then uh, let you as a church know we are deep in that search for who God is calling to be our next youth pastor. And as we have those details, we'll share them with you. But yeah, next week's going to be a farewell for Josh. Big deal. And then one last thing. Uh, it, it is our custom here at MRCC. It has been our happy tradition for about a decade now that every year on this Sunday we pause and do something very specific, and that is to recognize all of the people who are part of our church who are called to serve in our local public school districts here in Buckley and Enumclaw and Black Diamond and the whole surrounding area. And every year, we pause on this Sunday to do two things. The first and most important thing is to pray for them in that place of ministry, serving in our public schools, whether as teachers, as faculty, as staff. We've got a list here of names, and these are all the people who call MRCC home who serve in our local public schools. That's a lot of people. And they are called there by God into an incredibly strategic place in our culture to minister to, to kids and young people. And it's a big deal. And, and we recognize that. And we know that God has called you, all you who are listed here into that ministry. We want, we want to pray for you. We want you to know that we stand behind you. And we want you to also know that we stand behind you in another way. As you are serving in whatever school God's called you to, as you become aware of a situation, maybe with a student or maybe with a, a teacher's needs or maybe with a staff member's needs, as you become aware of those needs and you pray and sense that God is calling you perhaps to get involved, to help them, to serve them, to meet a need, we as your church stand with you and behind you. We want you to know that you are invited all of you to come and say, hey, I've been praying about it. There's this student. They have this particular need. Can we as a church step in and meet that somehow? It's our joy every year to do this. And it, it makes Jesus famous. It, it 
meet people's needs. And we want you to know that you're empowered to, to come to us as a pastoral staff, as a church board, as a congregation, and say, hey, there's a need. Will you partner with me on it? So please know that this morning. I'm going to ask all of you who are here in second service, if your name is up there, if you serve in our public schools, would you stand for just a moment and remain standing? Please do that. Somebody's got to go first. So please do that. Go ahead and stand up. Yep, yep, there you go. Yeah. And we recognize you and honor you. Honor you guys. Please stay standing. Yes. And with those of you, you know, please, just for another moment, stay up if you would. And with those of you who are near them, would you just, this is a, a Christian thing, okay? Would you just stretch out your hand towards them and let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you this morning for the calling that you have laid on these hearts. And God, we recognize that it is a high and a holy calling, Lord. You have led them into serving our kids, our young people, and we know how important and precious that is to you. We ask your blessing on each one of them. God, we pray that you, Holy Spirit, would fill them in their hearts with a sense of your delight in what they're doing, of your joy in their serving, of your purpose in their work. We pray for that, God. Fill them with a sense of peace and a sense of faith to know that what they are doing matters that much to you and that it echoes in eternity. God, we ask your blessing and your anointing on them. And then we ask also, Lord, that you would give them eyes to see. Maybe there's a need. Maybe there's a way that we as a church could serve a student in crisis or a teacher in need or a staff member in their moment of need. God, give them eyes to see and to recognize that we're in this together. We are a body. We are a family. God, bless them with eyes to see and bless them with a sense of your joy in what they are doing. We pray for that. We lift them up to you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Let's just appreciate it one more time. Yeah. You know, we should appreciate them. They put up with our kids. Just think about that for a moment uh, all the time, but a rich and warm thing. Well, we're going to take the second step in this new teaching series this morning. We're going to be over in, in Luke's Gospel, Chapter 6. You can turn there in your Bible. And as you're getting ready to do that, I just want to share with you a personal revelation that came to me this week. You know, when I came up with this ridiculous mustache a few weeks ago and told my wife that I was going to grow this, you know, it came in and I said, that reminds me of something. I, I've seen that somewhere. I, I recognize that look, and but I couldn't put my finger on it. I was like, who am I thinking of? What am I thinking of? And it was just nagging at me. It was just bugging me. And then this week on Wednesday morning, I was out for my morning run, and just like a bolt from the blue, it became clear as a bell what my mustache resembles, what I was thinking of. I said, bingo, that's it. And boom, I knew what my mustache reminds me of. Can you see it? That's pretty much it. I'm Chick Hicks. That's who I am. So uh, enjoy it while it lasts. My wife says it's not going to be there very long. So, yeah. But, yeah, th there it is. Luke's Gospel, Chapter 6 this morning. And, and let me begin by, by asking you a question. It's this. H have you ever had one of those scary moments while you're driving when you almost got in a wreck? I mean, most of us have. You know, the one that leaves your heart pounding and you're shaking all over and you realize how close, how near you came in that moment to disaster. I mean, we've all had that experience before. And that actually happened to me a few weeks ago. 
Now, for all of you sweet, tender-hearted people who just hate the fact that I bought a motorcycle, don't listen to what I'm about to say, okay? Just blank it out. But, you know, I, I've ridden all my life. There was a stretch of about five years when that was my car. I rode year-round on my motorcycle. So I, I've done this forever. And, and as a consequence, you know, I know what I'm doing. I know what I should do. I know what I have to do. I'm the guy who's never laid it down or crashed. You, you may not know many <laughs> of those, but I, I'm that guy. And, and it's because I really do. I'm very careful. And so that was why it was a surprise when I did something stupid a few weeks ago. I was coming through Buckley, it was late in the day, it was kind of rush hour, a lot of traffic moving through there, and I was coming from Bonnie Lake, I got down there in front of the, the car washes and the stuff there, and, and there was, a, I think it was the White River High School football team, I think, it looked like it, and they were having a car wash, and there was kids all over the side of the road, and they got signs, and they're yelling and waving, they're trying to get people to go in and wash their car. And it's a gorgeous, nice day, and I'm coming through on my motorcycle, they're like, yeah, pull in, come on, let us wash your car, and you know, they're all yelling, and... And I did something I know not to do. I took my eyes off the road, and I looked at him. I said, no, guys, I can't. I'd love to, but I can't. And when I looked back, everybody in front of me had slammed on their brakes. Somebody had done something. Now, we're about 45 miles. Now, it's pretty fast. Uh, you're thinking the speed limit in Buckley is 35. <laughs> don't pretend like you keep it, because we know you don't. It's about 45 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, all the cars had stopped, and the car in front of me was a big dump truck with a flatbed trailer and a, and a, and a, a backhoe on the back. I'm going right for it. Now, in that moment, a lifetime of reflexes kicked in. It really did. I, I jumped on both brakes simultaneously, not too hard. I grabbed the throttle. I started shifting down. I started turning sideways, but not too much so that I could S. And I actually left about 30 feet of rubber on the freeway. And I came to a stop alongside the dump truck. So that's, you know, ahead of the trailer. I came to a stop in the median, feeling that feeling. Now, it's kind of funny because in that moment, there's that bootlegger restaurant there. And a, a big burly guy with a beard was just climbing down out of his four-wheel drive tr truck. And he's like 10 feet from me. And he saw this happening. And I tell you, without missing a beat, I came to a stop. And he goes, hmm, well done. And he walked on in the restaurant. <laughs> Dude, you rock. It was, it's like, you know, it didn't even phase him. Phased me. And I sat there and I stopped. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Gang. You, you can't be prepared for a moment like that. You either have all those reflexes already, or you don't, uh, or, or it's a disaster. There, there's no way to, to realize, oh, this is happening, so I know I got to do one, two, three, no, I just, you do it or you don't. You either have the reflexes, now I'm thankful, clearly it was God's grace, but I also know that, that a lifetime of writing came to fruition in that moment. It's the first moment I've had like that in my life. And a lifetime of preparation went into that moment. Now, I share that story with us this morning because Jesus wants to talk to us about that kind of thing. He wants to talk to you about that kind of thing. Because, see, our faith is not a passive thing we do with our minds. It is an active thing that we do with our hearts. It begins with a choice to believe, but the expression of that choice of believing is as much a part of the reality as the, the, the mental part. Last week, we talked about the fact that God wants us to know him, first of all, as Savior, above all else. But then, 
He wants us to continue to get to know him. And the next step in that process is to know him as Lord. And this morning, he wants to talk about that discovery, that revelation, about you and me experiencing his leadership in a practical day-to-day, year-to-year part of our life. He wants to talk to us about how him being our Savior is meant to lead us to discovering him as our Lord. G.K. Chesterton put it this way. He said, the point of being saved from drowning, for instance, isn't to keep breathing. The point of being saved is to go on and do all the things, all the life and living that breathing makes possible. And in the same way, our salvation isn't an end in itself. It is the opening of the door into knowing God. And the second way he wants us to know him as we grow is to know him as Lord. Uh, To put it another way, God wants to build reflexes into you that prepare you for all the things that lie ahead of you in your life. He wants to build those in. And that's what's on Jesus' heart. That's what's on his mind when he speaks to us here in Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 46. Listen to what he says. Hear our Lord. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, Greg? And then don't do what I say. (laughs) Anybody ever guilty of that? He says, why do you do that? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, very significant word, puts them into practice. You know what practice is? It's repeated failure in the pursuit of success. That's what Coach Lombardi called it. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he says, I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation, the most important part of your house, on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house and could not shake it because it was well built. When what happened in Alaska this weekend happened, this house was prepared. Taiwan, a 7.0 earthquake, you heard about this, tsunamis, the house was prepared. It could not be shaken because it was well built, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent, the flood, the storm, Matthew calls it a storm in chapter 7, a flood. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now, what's Jesus saying in this moment? He's saying, hey, I want you to experience my leadership in your life. I want you to practice what I'm teaching you, to do the things I'm saying, because then you will be built strong from the inside out in preparation for the storms that are coming in your life. He knows they're coming. God knows they're coming in your life. You don't yet, not all of them, but he does. He says, hey, uh, Greg, I want you to be prepared for that. And the way that happens is when you don't just listen to me. Very often because we reduce faith to a mental thing, we just listen. Jesus says, no, I want you to do more than that for your sake. He says, I want you to practice these words of mine. Now, let's stop for a moment and break this down. Realize who Jesus is addressing here. He says, those who call him Lord, Lord, verse 46. Big part of the world doesn't. Most of the world doesn't. So he's not talking to the crowd in this moment. He's talking to you and me. He's talking to us. He's talking to his own. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then don't practice what I'm teaching you? 
And he's not talking about houses. This isn't about construction. He, he's using that as a metaphor for the inside of us, for our spirits, our souls. We are minds, we are bodies, but most of all, we are souls and spirits. It is the inside of us that is the foundation. And he's talking about that part of us. And what's he feeling in this moment? He's not just giving orders and making demands. He's feeling for us what you feel for your teenagers when they get ready to drive, right? When they're, when they're getting old enough to take a car in their own hands and suddenly you go, hey, there's stuff out there. I want to prepare you for this. I want you to be safe. I want you to learn good habits. Not only to keep you safe, but because I want you to run a lot of my errands for me once you can drive. And I'm looking forward to that moment. But it's also, you as a parent, a grandparent, you just feel a desire for them to understand what's coming. That there's crazy people out there that text while they drive and don't pay attention and do things you don't expect. And Jesus is feeling that for us in this moment. He says, hey, gang, there's storms coming, and I want you to be prepared for you. That's what he's feeling for us in this moment. So when he comes to you with this invitation to practice what he's saying, it's not just a demand, I want something from you. It's a, no, no, I want something for you. And that comes to you when you practice what I'm teaching. You know, put this another way. God is much more than a 911 responder. And sometimes that's how we, we kind of default. We think, well, God, I, I'm kind of hanging out in your vicinity. I hear you every now and then. And if I have a 911 call, I'll be sure and get in touch. You know, he is that, but he is much more than that. And he wants to be much more than that for you. He wants to be a father. He wants you to experience him as your Lord, your leader. And that's what's on Jesus' heart in this moment. And it's important for us to grasp what he's saying here. He's saying, hey, what? Listen, gang, storms are coming. You don't even know what kind of storms are coming, but I do. And they are coming. They're coming in your life. They're coming in everybody's life in one way or another. You know, most of the time we lose touch with that because we live in what I call bubbles. What I mean by bubbles is we live in, in things that have been prepared for us. You go to your house, you flip a switch, the lights come on. It's not because you prepared. <laughs> because somebody else did a whole bunch of preparation. A dam, a generating plant, underground cables to your house, connections in your house. A lot of prep. You live in a bubble of somebody else's preparation. Same thing. We have running water. We have light. We have heat. We have all this stuff. And if we're not careful, we, we begin to lose touch with the fact that all that stuff is there because somebody prepared. And that's what's on the Lord's heart in this moment. He wants us prepared for reality. What would you think if, if your neighbor had a hole in their roof and you pointed it out and they said, yeah, no problem, it's not raining. You'd say, well, guess what, bro, it's gonna. You live in Western Washington. It's gonna rain a lot more than you think it is. Yeah, it's that kind of thing that's happening here. My, my brother uh, came over from Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago and to meet with our family with my dad um, so close to passing. And we were talking, and he shared how you probably read about some of these storms that came through the Midwest, North Dakota, South Dakota, there in Wisconsin. The storm hit that was so strong, it put a bunch of holes in his roof and broke all the windows on his cars. He's in a big insurance settlement to get all that fixed. Most of us say, well, that doesn't happen in the Northwest. We're happy. Yeah, till that mountain goes, then we're going to be singing a whole different song, right? God says, there's storms coming, Greg, and I want you prepared for them. Now, here's a funny thing. There have been times when we all knew storms were coming and we were unafraid. And those were the times when we knew we were prepared for them. 
we've all had those kinds of experiences, and, and then the storm isn't frightening at all. As a matter of fact, sometimes, like at our house, if there's a big storm coming through and we know it, we're all ready for it, we like to gather at the upstairs window, big bay window, open it up, turn off all the lights, and watch it. It's like, oh, look at that. Because we're warm, we're safe, we have food, we have power, at least for the moment. We know we're prepared for that moment. God wants that for you and for me. And that's what's on Jesus' heart in this moment. We've all known storms were coming and we're unafraid because we were prepared. Now, some people aren't afraid of storms because they're just ignorant. <laughs> some people aren't afraid of storms because they don't really believe they're coming. Maybe that's you this morning. Jesus says, hey, got news for you. Because I love you, I want to tell you, they are coming. I remember when uh, Ron and I first moved to Idaho, uh, Isaiah was about a year old, year and a half old, and we went for a camping trip and found a nearby campground. It was about halfway, I don't remember the name, but be between Moscow Pullman and Spokane. And we went out there and camped. And, you know, it was kind of overcast when we settled in, but no big deal, we're grown up. So we get into our tent, and the, after we went to bed, a storm blew in. It started to blow and raining pretty hard. It was getting pretty gnarly, but we're like, well, you know, we know storms happen. We're okay. Then we began to hear people leaving the campground and packing up and truck engines going on. We're a bunch of wimps, a bunch of weenies. Why are these people bugging out? You know what I mean? Not real campers. We're real campers, you know. And so we stayed there, stayed there. And boy, there's a lot of noise for a couple hours. And then pretty soon it got quiet. <laughs> got up the next morning. There was nobody left in the campground except us. Everybody had left. And we thought, what a bunch of dummies. You've never had a rain before? Well, come to find out, later that morning when we loaded all our stuff into our car and headed home, they said on the radio that for the first time in 10 years, a tornado had touched down on the Palouse about 15 miles from where we were. And the reality wasn't that we were smart. We were dumb. Everybody else heard it on the radio and bugged out. <laughs> so we laugh that to this day we took our one-year-old and camped in a tornado. <laughs> you know, that wasn't smart. It's not that kind of fearlessness that Jesus wants for us. It's a very different kind. It's one where we're prepared. One where we are ready. We know, okay, those things happen, but I know in whose hands I am. I know who hears my prayers. I know who has made promises to me, and I'm going to stand in those. Now, notice, notice that Jesus does not say that listening to him will prevent storms. Lots of false prophets on TikTok and the internet and TBN will tell you that if you just have enough faith and a good relationship with God, you'll never have a storm. Baloney. Jesus says the storm comes to every house, to those who listen and don't practice, and to those who listen and do. Many immature believers assume that living life God's way will prevent all storms from ever happening, and then they try to live inside of that false promise. Jesus explicitly does not say that. The flood, the torrent, the storm beats against every house in the story. There's no storm-free houses. The only question is whether you're built on the rock foundation or not. To put it another way, Jesus' teaching here is not a formula to avoid storms, but to overcome them. He said, I've told you these things, John chapter 16, so that in me you might have peace. Peace isn't the absence of storms. It's the preparation for storms. It's the fearlessness in the face of the storm. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. James tells us in chapter 1, verse 22, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. You love your kids. And so you set out to prepare them for what's coming. 
recognize that your father God loves you even more. And so he sets out to prepare you for what's coming. He wants you to practice at times when it's inconvenient, at times when you don't understand, times when you, you're not willing, you're not loving it because the preparation is so worth it. Now, notice another thing the Lord says. He says, whoever hears my words and puts them into practice. There's a difference between hearing and practicing. Everybody in the story hears only one group practices. You can listen to someone without really ever hearing them at all. In fact, it's a skill that you will develop the longer you're married. You get better and better at it. You know, the, they'll say things and you just don't hear it anymore. Jesus is talking about the hearing that becomes practicing. Let me invite you to ask yourself, okay? This is between you and God. Have you fallen into the habit of kind of listening but not practicing? It's easy to do. We get busy. We get a lot of things coming at us. Pretty soon we forget that the hearing isn't the ballgame. The hearing is just the part before the practicing. Listen to what Jesus said over in Luke chapter 8. This, this gripped me as a young man. It's never lost its grip on me. It stays with me my whole life. He said this, Consider carefully how you listen, Greg. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. In other words, a lot of people will listen, but they won't practice, and then they won't even know what they don't know. They'll think they know, but they don't even know that they don't know. That's sobering. That's challenging. You know, I remember when they first taught me in, in core school, uh, when I was in the service, they taught me how to suture a wound. Well, you can draw diagrams and tell people how to do it and go through all the practice stuff, but it's a whole different animal when you're actually sewing somebody up. It wasn't until I began to do it that I really understood what I was learning. That's the idea here. And Jesus doesn't say, do what I say once and then you're good, it's all over. He says, practice. The word means enter into a regular rhythm, a habit, a lifestyle. Practice, as Coach Lombardi said, is repeated failure in the pursuit of success. When we think that believing is just a thing we do mentally and that God's just making demands of us, then we, we're discouraged and we quit. We say, well, I can't do it. I, I'm failing. No, no, God says, I know you're failing. That's called growing up. And each time you fail, you learn and you move on to the next step. He said, that's what I want you to enter into. That's what I want you to experience because then it will bring us solidness. It'll put a foundation in your life. One more illustration. I remember when I was you know, really starting to get into basketball, and, and then I realized that I needed to learn how to use my left hand as well as my right hand. Like most people, I had a good hand and a bad hand. Unlike my wife, and I hate her for this, she's ambidextrous. She does the both, same with both hands. That's just not fair. I've told God that a million times. But for me, I had to, and, and I realized, you know what, I, I'm, I'm pretty good with my right hand, but if once the other guy realizes I can't use my left, it's all over. i got to find out how to use my left hand. And can I tell you that's the most awkward thing in the world, to try and do things with your left hand or your right hand if you're left-handed. You just, you don't want to do it because it's hard and you fail at it, but you got to do it over and over and over or you'll never learn. And so I started trying, and I looked like a fool many, many, many times. But each time, I got a little better, got a little better, got a little better. And then pretty soon, you get to the point where you're like, oh, I like, I got two hands here. Two hands is better than one. Somebody say amen. God says, that's the way it is. I know you, I know you fail at this stuff, but what I want you to do is get back into the habit of practicing. Because as you practice, that firm foundation will be built in your life. Sometimes because it's a challenge, because it's hard, because it's difficult, we just... We want to pitch it in and quit. But 
The problem is then we'll never know what God was seeking for us to experience. Chesterton again put it this way. He said, the Christian faith has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found hard and left untried. Yeah. Jesus invites us into lordship for our sake that we might discover. Uh, C.S. Lewis put it another way. He said, you know, you watch a chicken hatching from an egg, and that little thing is struggling, man. It's trying. It's trying to break free, and it's hard, and it's tiring. And if you ever watch one get born, they go through a long phase. They get tired, and they stop, and then they start again, and then they get tired, and they stop, and they start again. But eventually, they break free. And you go, yay, because you know that that's better for the chicken. Lewis put it this way. He said, being hatched in Christian discipleship is hard. Yeah, it is difficult. It is demanding. But it's much easier than trying to stay an egg and be free. (laughs) That's the harder thing in the end. If we never let Jesus teach us how to practice what he says, we're actually in for a harder life than if we do let him. It's more difficult to be unhatched. Jesus knows that. And so he's saying here, hey, understand what I'm doing. And then finally, notice that it's the invisible part of you that sustains the rest of you. When you look at a house, you don't see the foundation. You don't see it all the time. It's hidden. But if it's poorly done, the whole house is weak. The whole house is in danger. And Jesus is talking about the invisible part of you, your heart, your mind, your spirit, your insight. He says, I want to shape and build that. And, and, and it can't be a thing you just learn in your head. It has to become practice. You know, when I was in the infantry again, they would take us out to do infantry tactics drills, and we would do the same thing over and over and over again, day in and day out, week in and week out. You're 18 years old. It's just making you insane. But what I learned was what was happening was they are building reflexes because when the bullets are flying, you can't stop and think about it. You do what's become muscle memory, what's become reflex, and they were forming those things in us. Jesus wants to form that in you and form that in me. So he says, hey, get in here and practice with me. That's why the Lord said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Hold me to continue in, to practice, to remain attached to, engaged with. If you hold to my teaching, then you're my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from the fear of storms. Free from all the fears that come with them. You know, coming home last week was so beautiful. I got all choked up in first service. By second service, I was all back to normal. You didn't see that, but... Also, in all that wonderfulness last week, seeing your faces again, two people also came to me one-on-one and shared with me that while I was gone, they were diagnosed with cancer. Wow. And this week, a couple days ago, somebody else contacted me and let me know that they were diagnosed with cancer. Friends, those storms were always coming. Now, here's the amazing thing. One of the folks that shared with me was just sobbing in tears and fear, and we prayed together, and I held them, and we talked and all that. But the other person came to me and said, yeah, this is going to be a challenge, but I know God's got me. I know he's in this. My faith is strong. One way or another, I'm going to be healed. Pastor, would you pray with me? Because I'm going into this battle in faith. Wow. World of difference between those two. And God wants you to feel that kind of strength. And so Jesus says, practice what I'm teaching you. 
enter into that practice. In just a moment, we're going to finish by talking about a couple practical ways to do that. We're almost done. But one more thing first is understand that when Jesus talks about the storm, he's not only talking about what happens in our lives, but friends, he's talking about what will happen at the end of our lives. Because the ultimate storm is judgment. The Bible says that every one of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded or punished for the things done in the body, whether good or bad, that moment of judgment. Let us never forget that all the stuff we get wrapped up in here below all fades to nothing in the moment of judgment when we stand before God. Every one of us has that appointment. Now, if you're a believer, if you know Jesus as your Savior, like we talked about last week, that judgment looks a little different. It's what we call a judgment of your works. The Bible teaches that God says, hey, you got a 4.0 in life, Greg, or you got a 1.0 in life. You were fruitful, you, you did great, or, you know, you really didn't, and I'm saving you anyway. First Corinthians chapter 3 teaches that. So that judgment for us as believers isn't about drowning in the storm, but it is. The, the scripture says, First Corinthians 3, some people will enter heaven like a naked man escaping from a burning house. Raise your hand if you want to be naked on judgment day. <laughs> and so Jesus says, I want to prepare you for that, Greg. I want to build into your life a foundation that is ready for that moment. Judgment is terrifying if you'd ignored God your whole life, like a storm is terrifying if you're unprepared. But but if you're prepared, it's okay, all right, this is next, and we're going to go through this. That's what God wants you and me to feel. So listen again to what the Lord says. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, they're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock when the flood came. The torrent struck that house and could not shake it because it was well built. So what does practice look like? Well, let's finish. Last five minutes. Let's talk about some practical ways you can enter into that practice. Simple stuff where we move beyond listening to doing so that we experience God as Savior and then as Lord. We experience his leadership. So the first thing is this. The first uh, uh, practice is this. Practice his lordship of your time. Now, what I mean by that is simple and specific. In Hebrews, the Bible tells us this. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. In God's Ten Commandments is a simple rhythm that he wants to build into your life and mine, and that's the rhythm of gathering with other believers at least once every seven days to worship him. It's called honoring the Sabbath. And when he talks about Sabbath, he's not talking about a particular day of the week. He's talking about this one in seven days rhythm. There's lots of ways it can happen. It can happen in church on Sunday morning. It can happen in a small group. It can happen in a campground. It can happen on vacation. But you have this rhythm in your life. This is what God wants for you. Where one day in seven, you say, all right, we're going to stop and we're going to worship. We're going to gather with other believers. And we're going to give thanks. And we're going to pray. And we're going to learn. And we're going to meet with God. If you build that rhythm into your life, it's like all those years of motorcycle riding. When the crisis comes, you're like, oh, God, I got reflexes. God wants that for us. And, you know, sometimes we think to ourselves, well, you know, every seven days is not really a big deal. Hey, gang, God placed that commandment before thou shalt not murder, before thou shalt not uh, give false testimony, before thou shalt not commit adultery. <laughs> He's serious about it because he knows it matters. And so... He invites you to enter into that habit. To say, you know, in, in our life, in our family, we're going to have this discipline. We're going to have this habit. And it'll work out different ways, but that's what we're aiming for. Practice his lordship of your time. The second one, you ready? This is going to be a challenge. Practice his lordship of your work. The Bible says that when you and me go to work, wherever it is, 
We're not just getting a paycheck. We're not just satisfying an employer. We're not just pursuing our ambitions. We're serving Jesus at work. That when we go to work, we are serving him. And he watches and he rewards. Here's how the Bible puts it. Slaves, in those days, indentured servants, we could draw a parallel to employees. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Not just when their eye is on you or to earn their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Maybe you need to shift your attitude about work right now. If you do, God will begin to build that foundation in your life, in your heart. Whatever you do, uh, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. And Colossians goes on to say, it is the Lord who will reward you. So if you choose to take that attitude about your work, which may be radical, new, and different, you're going to freak everybody out tomorrow. It's okay. God will begin building you into a firm foundation for the storms that are coming. Third, practice his lordship of your money. We don't often talk about that at MRCC because we are so blessed. We give lavishly as a church. But if you haven't learned that discipline yet, God wants you to. Because in that giving, you build a partnership with him that washes away your fear of recessions and and failures of other kinds in our economy or whatever. Practice his lordship. Here's how Jesus put it. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus said, hey, Greg, you can't serve both God and money. You got to put one in charge of the other. And there's particulars of how you can go about doing that. But really what it boils down to is that you just begin to give regularly knowing that God meets you in it. And as you do that, you grow in your faith. Firm faith. You know, it's an interesting thing. Being in church growing up, I'd never heard of that. Rod and I get saved. We're young, married. We go to church. We begin to hear this taught, and we begin to do it. And then we discover that nobody who starts doing that ever stops. They just keep doing it for a lifetime. Find a senior saint who gives regularly, who ties, and ask him, why are you still doing this? And they'll go, oh, let me tell you, this is a partnership with God, and I'm way ahead of the game, and I'll never stop. Yeah, yeah, they've grown. They've been built. God wants that for you. Practice his lordship of your money. Two more, and we're done. Practice his lordship, and this is a big deal. Practice his lordship of your theology. That's, that's a word that we have a hard time connecting with. But what it means is just your ideas about God. Where do you get them? I hope you don't get them from TikTok and the internet and grandma's opinions and cartoons in Reader's Digest. I hope you're not getting them there. Get them from what Jesus teaches, from what your Bible says. This is not a paperweight or a decoration. It is the curriculum for growing up in God. He wants you to get those ideas for yourself from his Bible. Say, oh, it's hard, I know. And what do your third graders, what do you say to your third graders when they say, I don't want to go to school, it's hard. You say, you're going anyway. And so it is with the Father God. He says, I want you to learn. I want you to learn this stuff. Jesus put it this way. He said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You won't find the fearless, fulfilled life you want without learning God's word. So he wants that for you. And then the last one is to do your cardio. (laughs) That means prayer. The simple habit, everybody talks about prayer, everybody believes in prayer, but what we do most of the time is try everything else and then at the end pray. (laughs) God says, no, no, 10 minutes a day. You've known me for 15 years, I've been saying the same thing. 10 minutes a day. Just like Jesus said, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who sees what is done in secret, your father will reward you. Meet him in there. I'm telling you, 
10 minutes of this kind of spiritual cardio and you will become an ultra marathon runner in the spirit. You will grow in ways you didn't even know were possible in terms of your ability to overcome storms. You get in there, start with the Lord's Prayer. It's a great way to start. It's how I start. Then you just start sharing your heart. God, here's what I need. God, here's what I'm hoping for. God, here's the people in my life that have needs. God, uh, let's talk. You pour yourself out. That will build you like you cannot believe. And God wants that for you because he loves you. Finish with the story. We're done. Shared this about three years ago. In October of 2019, a man and a woman who had served God faithfully all their lives, maybe you recognize Toby and Amanda Mack, Toby Mack, Christian recording artist, minister. They found themselves in the worst storm that anyone can ever know. Their 20-something son lost his life to an accidental overdose. Imagine losing one of your kids. Nothing is harder, which is why God tells us the story of his love for us through the word picture of a father losing a child on the cross. And in the wake of that horror, that worst nightmare for all of us, here's what Toby and Amanda wrote to the rest of us. They said, we don't follow God because we have some sort of under-the-table deal with him, like we'll follow you if you bless us. We follow God because we love him and because it's our honor to do it. He is the God of the hills, like we sang this morning, and the valleys. And he is beautiful above all things. And from the valley of the shadow of death, the depth of the storm, we pray a flood of thankfulness to the Father of heavenly lights who shines most beautifully in darkness. That's a house with a foundation. That's a house built on the rock. I pray, God, that if my son were lost to me in such a tragic way, that I would discover that that's my foundation. And that's what God wants for you what God wants for us, for all his sons and daughters. So would you bow your head and pray with me as we get ready to close this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and we hear your heart for us. God, help us to receive what you're saying, to begin to practice what you teach us, God, to be people who don't just listen, who don't just hear, but who do. We pray for that. And God, we recognize that it is practice. We're going to fail. We're going to struggle. It's going to be hard. But the payoff is so worth it, Lord. Help us to hear you inviting us to know what it's free, what it feels like to be out of the shell, to be hatched. We pray for that. We thank you for your word this morning, Lord Jesus. We pray it in your great name. Amen. Just stand with me. Gosh, I did it again. I come back from sabbatical and I just can't shut up. So... Uh, I apologize in advance for the parking lot. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone you love him. Have a great afternoon.